Welcome to another edition of the Heron Outlet. She is Alex Winley. He is Austin Robillard. I am Ian Heston. Guys, the day has finally arrived. It feels like an eternity in the buildup to Lionel Messi making his debut for Inter-Miami. We've had reports, rumors, changes in coaches, changes in player personnel. We've had an unveil and a week's worth of training to see, and the day finally arrives. Friday night from Drive Pink Stadium, Inter-Miami will take on Cruz Azul in their first League's Cup action at game kicking off at 8 p.m. So, guys, let's start right there. It is a Cruz Azul team that that has been struggling as of late, that isn't necessarily the dominant Cruz Azul team that we've seen in the past. Uh, this is an Inter-Miami team that currently is bottom of MLS, so they have not had a good run of form as well. 11 games in a row without a win since May 13th, the last time Miami last was victorious. So, so with that in mind, obviously all the look is on Lionel Messi, is on Sergio Busquets, is on Tata Martino. From a team standpoint, We've been at the, the interviews all week long talking with them and hearing most of the questions be about Messi, and, and for good reason. I mean, he's the big, greatest player of all time, right? But not a lot of attention paid to the game and to Cruz Azul. And that's, I guess, where, where I want us to sort of start is, is without that focus, without getting those questions, DeAndre Yedlin didn't get asked basically a single question earlier today on Thursday about this game tomorrow. All the questions were on Lionel Messi. How do you as a group focus with two new players, now uh, more additionally coming with Diego Gomez announced today and uh, Jordi Alba shortly on the way, how do you focus on the task at hand in, in a very important matchup? We'll get to that in, in, in a little bit, but how, how do you re repurpose yourself to get ready for what is going to be a still a good Liga MX side in Cruz Azul? I mean, I would I would hope that this is actually a benefit to the players and to Tata Martino that, you know, nobody's really asking about the game. He doesn't have to give up anything. And the focus is elsewhere while he and his squad can just focus on the game themselves. Like I, I kind of am going to skew it my own way that way, as in, you know, all the reporters are in, and everybody asking questions is all about Messi, all about Messi, which gives them more internal focus on the game plan going into Friday. Um, I think that, that is a, is a talking point amongst the team, which, which is great. Um, you know, we, we're very interested to see what Tata Martino will do uh, following that St. Louis game with a brand new squad almost at his disposal with the insertion of Messi and Busquets. Um, and maybe later on down the line in MLS with Jordi Alba and Diego Gomez, depending on their registration within the League's Cup or the league. Um, so I think that the internal focus is there, and I don't think they'll mind not having to focus too much with the media about the task at hand on Friday. And we'll talk about how big of a moment it is because of the way the, the tournament is structured, as you said, Ian, to, to have a positive result. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's good for them to, to, you know, just take the messy questions in, enjoy it. You know, everybody wants to speak about the greatest player in the world, as you said, and let them internally focus on, on the game plan for, for Friday. Yeah, and I think all of these uh, Messi-centric questions, uh, like Austin said, is probably a advantageous to Tata Martino. You know, he, he doesn't like to give up a lot uh, regarding his team setup. So, um, yeah, I think that's um, him and Busquets were answering some questions all in Spanish um, about the yeah, every everything but the game. So, um yeah, hopefully um, Cruz Azul is going to be, they're going to be going into this match blind and 
Well, I think they'll they'll only know that Busquets and Messi won't be starting. They'll they'll probably come off the bench. But um, yeah, I think it will be a a good game. I'm looking at Cruz Azul's record uh, right now. They've gone. They've been on a pretty heavy uh, winless streak. They've been losing a lot of games as of late. So they're not in very good form either. Uh, neither is Inter Miami. So I think it it'll be a kind of a, a a nasty game to watch. I don't think it'll be good soccer until um. I don't know, Messi steps onto the field, but um, um, yeah, I, 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 at this point, Miami just need to uh, survive in advance, really. I think we were dis- discussing about this tournament in the group chat about how if Miami don't get uh, past the group stage, they don't play another game for a month. So um, that's that's not something that you want, especially when you, you sign Messi, Busquets, and Jordi Alba imminently coming. You know, you want to show off your, your new signings on the field and not have them sit around for a month, maybe working on tactics, but still it's not good for them. So yeah, lots of chatter about this, uh, well, about other things, uh, not this match, but um, yeah, Miami have a game tomorrow, regardless of what what other stuff that's, that's going on. And it's interesting that you bring that up, Alex. We, we had the the pleasure, the honor of, of sitting down with David Beckham and Jorge Mas earlier this week and, and speaking with them about, frankly, about a lot of things that, that were surrounding the messy coverage and surrounding uh, how, what brought him to Miami and, and you know, all of the, I mean, I think it was, what, 2.5 billion people tuned in to the unveil in some regard or another uh, views on that, which is just an absurd number, and, and all of the pomp and circumstance behind it. Uh, the, the interesting part that I, that I think to that is, you know, when we're looking at, when we're looking at Messi and Busquets, David Beckham had said in there, that he's going to leave the decision on Friday, right? We were all expecting this to be Messi's first game and Busquets' first game. But he told us, point blank, the decision on that goes to how Messi's feeling. He hasn't played in six weeks, seven weeks. And to Tata Martino and how well he thinks that he's going to be instituted into a potentially starting lineup or coming off the bench in that role as well. So I, I like you had mentioned, I don't know if he starts. I, I think it very well is possible that he could. Um, but but I think more likely than not, it, we would see him in the second half. I know that that might not be the unveil that everybody imagined, but but the time off that he has had, you know, I've joked with you guys a couple times that, that Timo Puki signed or announced his uh, signing for Minnesota United 20 days, a full three weeks after Lionel Messi signed and yet scored his first goal for Minnesota United 11 days ago. So he's already in that amount of time signed, announced and signed in less than a month that it's taken Messi to just get here and have all of this going. Uh, so who knows what sort of shape he's looked fantastic in the short periods that we've been able to, to watch him this week. Um, he, it, it is absolutely shocking. I, I mean, I know that this sounds a little silly, but it is still when you watch it close up front firsthand, just how graceful he is. It does not look like that he is trying that hard to run, and yet he is so quick on the ball. His touch is so precise, and it really is marvelous to watch. Uh, but that being said, you know, it is a prolonged period of time that he has not been in action. What is the the, the sweet spot here? Do you think that he we can just say, hey, if anybody can do it, it's him, uh, and that, that would totally make sense? Or are you you know, treating this like other players where there is still a campaign to be had and, and, and a long, you know, run that, you know, you still need to be, to be ready to play two games in a week, like is the case in the league's cup.
Yeah, I mean, with with Lionel Messi, um, it's uh, the competition is is very quick. That's that's one thing. He's not going to have a lot of time to get like accustomed to Inter Miami like right away. Uh, in terms of you know, he's played under Tata Martino before, but in terms of the players around him, they need to go ahead and 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 gel quickly because this first game is extremely important. There's only two games that you play in the, in the group. So there's really no room for error. You have to come in the top two to go on to the knockouts, right, Ian? So, um, you know, I, I think the highlight, you know, is obviously on Messi. And as it has always been with any new signing for Inter Miami, whether it was Joseph Martinez at the beginning of the year um, or or I'm trying to think of any other big name, like when Gregory came in in terms of like shaping the midfield and everything like that last season or the year before, um, you know, they they have a responsibility to perform now on the field. Now, I know that the fandom will always be there. Uh, the fandom for Messi, whether they win or lose, is going to be there no matter what. The on-the-field success doesn't necessarily matter in that aspect. I don't think that Miami's going to lose any type of attention uh, just because they're losing games like they were in previous seasons. But Messi still has a responsibility to this team. Sergio Busquets still has a responsibility to this team to perform well. That's what they were brought in to do outside of the off-field success. And Jorge Mas and... David Beckham spoke with us on Tuesday about how they both believed they were still hungry. And I think that that is a good thing for them to have mentioned because as we know, Messi has won everything there is to win in world football other than U.S. Open Cup. Like that, that, that's it, right, guys? Like U.S. Open Cup, MLS Cup, anything on this side of the pond, that's like all he has not won. Um, and to add more trophies to the cabinet, I think Jorge Mas, if I'm not mistaken, spoke about competing with Danny Alves for like the most trophies or whatever it was uh, in world football. So like, you know, jokes and stuff like that, but there, there are trophies to be won. And I think that that's where the responsibility and the pressure comes in. Now, does a guy like Lionel Messi feel pressure? Probably not. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, these inter Miami fans rather than Lionel Messi fans are going to want the product on the field to increase and have this team become successful on the field because Ideally, that's the backing of a sports club and a franchise is what's going on on the field. So there is a pressure to to perform. There's a responsibility on Messi and on Busquets' back to perform for Tata to have this team managed the right way. And it starts really rapidly with Friday because you only got one game after that. And those two are the ones that are deciding if you're getting to the knockout stages of a competition, which is huge. So not a lot of room for error, as, we, as we've mentioned. And I think that... Um, you know, if it is just a 30-minute cameo, he's going to have to do a lot in those 30 minutes depending on what happens in the prior 60. Or prior 60 yeah. Yeah, and, and like you guys said, I, I hope that, you know, uh, Jorge Mas and, and Beckham said that uh, Messi and, and Busquets were still hungry, and I hope that, you know, they could they can go on and, and capitalize on the talent they have here, you know, and, and go on and win some silverware and, and, and kind of – you know, bring the the club up, uh, um, this you know to success uh, level wise, uh, trophy wise, uh, uh, in MLS at the U.S. Open Cup, and hopefully, if they get into Champions League, if they win the U.S. Open Cup, then that will definitely help um, um, raise the, the the level of the the club even more so than it is already now. But um, yeah, they need to capitalize on having Messi, Busquets, Alba, uh, Diego Gomez coming in. Uh, all this talent that they have, they 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 must you know win trophies, and they must at least compete for an MLS Cup within the two years that these, these group of guys will be together. I, I think that is uh, super important. And, and hopefully, you know, yes, getting Messi is a huge success and it's an honor, but you need to capitalize on and why, why uh, on when he's here and, and go on and, 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 and win something. 
Let's talk about League's Cup as a tournament, as a format. This is a brand new tournament to 2023 to both MLS and Liga MX. So this is going to be the first time that really anybody has seen how this tournament will go. There's 15 groups of three teams uh, and and then two teams, the the winner of MLS Cup and the winner of Liga MX last year, that being Pachuca and, and LAFC, they get automatic buys into the round of 32 with three groups of 50 or 15 groups of three teams each. The top two in each group will advance. So only 15 teams, if you're just third in the group, uh, that all those teams will be knocked out in the group stage. That means that you need about three points, just three points, to advance to the knockout stage. Now, Inter-Miami will play two games against Cruz Azul Friday and then uh, against uh, Atlanta United, the other team in their group, on Tuesday. The final game of that group, being Atlanta versus Cruz Azul, will be played in Atlanta later on in the week, on the 29th. So that will be the decider. So Inter-Miami will have all of their games completed, still with the other two teams in their group, with a game in hand. This format is a little different. They will play 90 minutes, but there are no ties. After regulation, we'll go straight to a penalty shootout. And if you win that penalty shootout, you get two points. If you lose the penalty shootout, you get one point. So points will be distributed, three points for every single match that occurs in the group stage for League's Cup. That is similar. If that sounds a little familiar, that is the same situation that that, uh, that MLS Next Pro deals with in terms of going straight to penalties. The winner gets the extra point. The team sh- split the point for the tie with the winner going uh, through on penalties. So that's the format of it. Let's look at Inter-Miami's group. They're in what's called South 3. They're, they're organized geographically. That South 3 statistically is the fourth worst group of all 15, the fourth easiest of all the, of all of the groups. And you, you, that, you know, makes some sense given the season that Atlanta United had last year, given the season that Inter Miami and Cruz Azul both are having this season at bottom of their respective leagues. So, so this in theory should be a little bit easier for Inter Miami to just get through. Once they get through, it gets a little more interesting. If they win the group, they go up against South two, and I'm not going to get too far ahead of ourselves here. But if they win the group, they'd go up against the winner of South 2. That's or, that's hosted by Orlando. Also includes Santos Laguna and Houston Dynamo. If they're second in the group, they'd go up against the winner of South 4. That's a, FC Dallas is hosting with Necaxa and, uh, and Charlotte FC that are in that group. So those are the sort of permutations that Miami can get through the group stage and into the knockout rounds. From hearing that, it sounds like a little bit of a of a manageable path. It sounds not too dissimilar for me to what they've managed to do in the U.S. Open Cup. There's a lot of very similar names on there. Atlanta, Orlando, Charlotte. We've seen these teams uh, before. Atlanta is a team that Miami has already beaten once at home this season, earlier this year. Joseph Martinez with a brace. Franco Negri with a red card late in that game to allow Atlanta to get a goal back, but eventually 2-1 winners in that game. That game started, I was looking back, with Leo Campana as the lone striker up top in the 4-2-3-1 that Phil had adapted at the time. Phil Neville, the coach at the time, had adapted. He switched right around the 55-minute mark, bringing Joseph Martinez on and keeping Leo Campana on as well to create sort of that 4-2-2-2 block that wound up being heading into the season what we imagined Inter-Miami was going to look for more like then they didn't wind up having resorted back to the 4-2-3-1. With all of these changes, with all of the what-ifs, of all of the, the, the 
a heck of a lot of information that I just threw at you. Where, where do you sort of fall on, you know, seeing the trees through the forest here and being able to rationally analyze, okay, this is how to attack this way with this personnel, given everything that the past two, three weeks has entailed? Well, if, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what, and I, I, I'm going to bring this back to Messi just because it's really hard not to do, but there's a lot of speculation about what's going to go on with, with Messi and his, his starting status and how many minutes he's going to play and whatnot. It makes sense for Tata Martino to say, you know, he would like to have had Sergio Busquets and Messi for more training sessions before they start matches. I believe that that was a quote that he said to Gaston Idul. Now with that taken into account, does that mean they hold them off on Friday and wait for a start on Atlanta for the best chance to win? Because as you said, Ian, one win should, you know, secure you a spot into the next round. You have two chances to do it. Do you try and gel the team against Cruz Azul? Maybe get some kind of a point, whether it's late in pens or whatnot, and then go full on in the Atlanta match? That is a possibility. That could be a way that they're choosing to attack this tournament. You don't really know what's going to happen in the Cruz Azul Atlanta match later on down the line. I believe that's on the 29th or the 30th of the month. Um, and you can't really rely on that. So, you know, they have two chances depending on, you know, what Tata Martino, the coaching staff, Messi and Busquets themselves see in, you know, their position to start in terms of their fitness level, their comfortability with the team going into Friday, that will be up to them. However, there is a huge chance for them to both start at home against Atlanta United, and that might be enough to get the job done if they are to go the full 90 or at least play the first 60, whatever it is, to get their team out in front. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it um, in terms of Tata Martino and, and how he has to have this squad ready. I'm sure decisions have already been made about how a style of play they want to deploy. They've done it against St. Louis. We saw a, a higher pressure, more fluid football. I would say maybe even a little bit more organized going forward than we saw under Phil Neville, which is which is huge. And when you insert world-class players, I think that will only be heightened. Um, but there are still some questions when Messi is inserted and Busquets is inserted to the lineup is who are they playing next to? Who's playing in front of Messi? Who's surrounding Busquets in the midfield? What kind of block is being formed in front of the back line? Those questions still have to be answered, and hopefully they're answered in the latter half of the game on Friday going into Tuesday so they have a real sense of idea what they're going to do to try and get out of this group. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think the Cruz Azul game will be a key for them to you know, win the group or, or, or advancing to the, the, the next stages, I think. It'll be hard because Miami are, are not in good form right now. You know, the loss to St. Louis was a – uh, a tough one, mainly because it was just set pieces. It's not like they were, you know, completely played off the the pitch. It was a set piece, uh, you know, kind of breakdown by the by Miami's defense. So I, I think with Cruz Azul, I think uh, the first half team, whoever whoever Tata puts out, they'll try their best to um, uh, just kind of keep it zero zero and and try to keep it zero zero as best as they can until they can get Messi on the field. I think I think. Uh, uh, reading some of uh, Busquets' quotes from his press conference this morning, um, he said he's not fit to play a full ninety. Uh, you know, his last game was in in uh, late May for Barcelona, I believe, and that's a long time. And you know, Busquets is what thirty five, thirty six, I think. So it's it's going to be, you know, he's going to need to you have a couple of more practices under his belt um, uh, compared to Messi, where he he did play a little bit recently with Argentina than Busquets did for Barcelona or Spain. So um, I, I think for, for 
right now it's just Messi coming off the bench for Miami. And I think maybe against Atlanta, maybe Busquets could start, but I don't see him going a full 90 quite yet. But um, yeah, I think the Cruz Azul match will be uh, super important for Miami. They they need to get a win. Obviously, you know, the group, like Ian said, it's not it's not the strongest. You know, Cruz Azul is in, they're in poor form. Atlanta, even though I, I believe they're in a playoff spot, they're, they're having their issues as well. And um, yeah, I think this competition um, will be, you know, great for Inter Miami to to showcase, you know, Messi and the new signings. And you know, obviously they they're gonna try to shoot for some silverware this season. And uh, they're in the US Open Cup semifinals as well uh, as uh, as they are in the League's Cup too. So um, yeah, I think they'll definitely uh, take this competition seriously. I know uh, Jorge Mas said they're gonna try to win as much uh, silver, silverware as possible. So. Um, yeah, I think it starts uh, tomorrow and, and trying to get a result in, in this League's Cup match. And I, and I think that this is a game that really Inter-Miami can attack. An Inter-Miami team that historically is far better at home at Drive Pink Stadium than they are on the road. They'll play both of their games in the League's Cup group stage at home. And we've seen the weather this week in South Florida. Heat, humidity, heat index is regularly at 105 or hotter. Uh, the, the team had to move training up even earlier than what already was it at 8.30, even moving it up into 8 o'clock uh, to, just to beat the heat as much as possible um, that they've had to do. So if you have another hot game like that or like we all saw on, on Sunday night uh, where, where the monsoons can come in, an 8 p.m. start is rather an interesting time because you could have the mega humidity coming off of a torrential downpour in the early evening like fans saw on uh, Sunday evening. So those are always the possibilities. And I also think that Cruz Azul comes into this game as, as probably more likely than not the team that's going to park the bus. They are, uh, you know, anchored solidly in defense, led by Carlos Salcedo, that fans will know probably from the Mexican national team. They have a good defensive, young defensive midfield in uh, Eric Lira, who's coming up uh, through the Mexican ranks, and, and also a very good uh, young Colombian in Kevin Castano. Um, that, that has gotten some action for the Colombian national team as well. So, so they have some players in the midfield, I think, especially where Inter-Miami has struggled to find uh, some balance. They've been sort of top-heavy in the other thirds, either defensive third too much or attacking third they, far less more often, but, but they haven't really solidified the middle part of the park. And that could be where they find some, some extra joy, some extra incentive to move forward today. We haven't seen a lot of teams this year play a defensive shell against Miami simply because Miami hasn't really been able to make those passes, those, those key passes that we've talked about, those transitional passes, passes into the attacking third. They're towards the bottom in, in MLS and those, in through balls. Um, in, and so, you know, the ability, this is where Messi has been brought in to change this. It's where Diego Gomez will wind up being very helpful. It's where Sergio Busquets will wind up being very helpful is to create that transition channel through the midfield. And that's what I'll be excited to see, not just from those players, whether they play or not, Austin, but also from the guys who have been here, guys like Benjamin Kromeshki, guys like David Ruiz, who are young but are learning and at that age can pick up on things fairly quickly if they're finding a little bit more joy in the middle part of the park. To, to create those avenues for Campana, for Joseph moving forward come Friday night. Yeah, I, uh, the impact there, you know, for the future of Inter Miami, it could be massive. And, you know, right away, you will feel the impact of Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets alike 
making those entry passes, whether it's, as you said, Ian, transitionally into the attacking third, maybe into the actual 18, because that's also been a struggle. It's just as they move forward, it gets worse and worse for them in terms of progression because they haven't had a player to actually unlock any type of defense that they've seen in MLS thus far. Uh, At the beginning of the year, I mean, our, our concern on this podcast was, wow, you know, they won their first two games 2-0, but every single goal was due to individual brilliance, set pieces, or the team being lackadaisical, their opposition being lackadaisical. So that's where we're, our concerns were because the offense wasn't wasn't really clicking. And then they went on a scoreless streak right after that, away from home. And now we're here uh, in you know late July, sitting bottom of the league in MLS with one of the worst goal tallies in the league. And I think a large part of that is due to the fact they've not had somebody with obviously not, not even to say Messi's caliber, because that is really kind of just unfair to the rest of the world, but a player that plays in the same style as a, as a playmaker, they've not had that on the roster since Bryce Duke, who was traded away and wasn't even getting the opportunities that, you know, he maybe should have been given. Uh, there was, there's really nobody else on the roster to go ahead and do that. Benjamin Kromeski has come on. He's been reverted to a defensive role at times, but he has also forced the issue going forward, but still not enough to, you know, create a dynamic attack to give chances inside of the box to a Leonardo, Leonardo Campana or Joseph Martinez. And that's where Messi and Busquets possibly come in. Busquets to make those line breaking passes in the second, third and, and you know, final third of the of the park. And then with Messi just in and around the area, finding players as he always does, whether it's those slick little passes behind defenders, in between defenders, whatever it is, chips over the top of defenders, he can do it all. And I think it's going to benefit this team massively immediately and for the future because as he mentioned players like David Ruiz and Benjamin Kromeski who are still honing their game and, and trying to to mold themselves into successful players in world football they have a lot to learn from these guys and if there's any sort of impact that becomes positive for their play style those are the two guys in world football that you want to learn it from Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets uh, some of the most highly touted midfielders and playmakers of all time. So, um, you know, it really, really could be huge for the future of Inter Miami, but I'm also looking forward to the immediate effect for Inter Miami and especially their attacking front. Yeah, and I think um, another uh, big thing about this is that the Miami have a bunch of young players and they're going to be learning alongside, like you said, Austin, uh, some of the greatest players to ever play the game. So I'm really intrigued to see how the Kromeskis, David Ruiz's, uh, Noah Allen to an extent when Jordi, Jordi Alba comes in um, you'd pray how they all improve under uh, you know all the new players coming in and, and it's it's good that that they uh, um, kind of came come in, came into their own while they had a, uh, Miami has had all these injuries with Gregory too. Gregory and John Mata the, uh, the younger homegrown players were able to step in get some good MLS minutes and continue to grow and and as Miami continue to fill out this roster, you know, the homegrowns, they don't really take a big cap hit at all, if anything. And so you'll have uh, players that have shown that they can be um, MLS players and, and contribute mean, meaningful minutes and, and goals and, and score and, and do well. And and now you have them at a low cap hit while you bring in all these guys like Messi, Busquets, Jordi Alba and whatnot. So I think it's just a really cool situation that they have going on here in Miami and they just need to capitalize on that. Yeah, let's talk about that, Alex. That's a perfect transition. Thank you, because the the young the young guys are really going to uh, be the the bread and butter filling out this roster uh, over the next couple of years. The announcement 
you know, yesterday and the introduction this morning on Thursday of Diego Gomez as a U22 initiative player. Some people who are watching this for the first time might not be familiar with these mechanisms that Major League Soccer has. In, in, in MLS, you are allowed three designated players. Those are players that make above a, a certain threshold this year being around $620,000 per year. Uh, and any you can pay them anything above that. You could pay them a billion dollars. You could pay them six hundred twenty thousand and one dollars. It's just anything above that mark makes you a designated player. Now there's other mechanisms to buy that down. Should someone play more, that's called allocation money, or you'll hear us call TAM a lot, targeted allocation money, or GAM, general allocation money. That's a player like Jordi Alba who will come in making around one point four million, but that can be bought down using that allocation money. So bring it back to the designated players. If one of your designated players is is a young designated player under the age of 25 years old, you get either two or three, depending on the contract, without getting too complicated, U22 initiative slots. Those are players that can make more than regular contracts that you're signing. For instance, a Robbie Robinson making around $300,000 or a Nick Marsman making around $500,000. Uh, or a Victor Uwoa making 250, they can make a little bit more, but they count just as much the same. They count for less, around 150 to 200 thousand dollars. Those three slots must be used by players under the age of 22. Therefore, it being the U22 initiative, Diego Gomez fits into one of those slots. Emerson, who is on loan to Santos Laguna this season, also does fit into that slot. One of those slots. Uh, heading into this season, but a little unclear if his his status is still considered that as he's on loan. Yeah, Austin, you have you have update on that for me? Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, because he is on loan outside of MLS, that roster spot is actually given back to Miami, so they can Perfect. fill all three for the latter half of 2023. Right. So when he returns from loan, they would need oh, to figure out what they would do with that slot. So they they do still have two and, more. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. S- Santos. Then this might just be for Miami's benefit because they right. are looking they have at an a lot of U22 buy. type guys. They have mm-hmm. Santos has right. an option to buy, which I'm sure Miami will try and push them to to go ahead and do that <laughs> if they want to bring in other guys. And Santos Laguna, possibly a team that Inter Miami could see in the League's Cup as, as well. So that'll be interesting uh, as well. But as we're going through all of that, that leads. So we've gone through all of the international ones, and that it leads to the last question of international roster slots. There's only a limited amount of international roster slots that can happen in MLS. Those change hands rather frequently and without a lot of fanfare. So sometimes it's very difficult to actually know how many uh, one team versus another team has. They're not necessarily announced uh, in transactions that are made throughout the league. So Inter Miami does have a limit to the amount of international players that they can sign. Why did I say all of that? Well, that brings us to the homegrown players, the likes of Kremeshki, the likes of David Ruiz, Ian Frey as well, Noah Allen, like Alex mentioned, uh, Edison Escona, who came off the bench, uh, Schneider Borgelin, who is a backup striker as well. All of them come in, and as homegrown academy players, which Inter-Miami has one of the best academies in the entire league. I mean, really up there in the top two or three in terms of academies, throughout MLS, and they've used that very effectively with the names that I've just mentioned, using these spots, using the U22 initiative spots, using the the uh, homegrown player spots and Generation Adidas spots are beyond valuable in filling out your roster. 
If you've been on Twitter lately, you've probably heard a lot of people complaining from around MLS, how is it possible that Miami has all of this money? Well, Austin brought a very good point up a couple weeks ago that none of these are involving transfer fees, which make it far cheaper uh, for Miami to sign. But also the, the amount of homegrown players and U22 initiative players and Generation Adidas players that Miami are using lowers that cap number by quite a bit that allows them to have all of this. That being said, as you've introduced all of these young guys, you will see a lot of 34-year-old Sergio Busquets playing with 20-year-old Diego Gomez, 36-year-old Lionel Messi playing with you know 20-year-old Benjamin, 19-year-old Benjamin Kremeshki. Where is the 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 few pockets when you're building out this roster? Because I think uh, uh, you know where I started this, and and forgive me for being a little long-winded here. When I saw the the League's Cup roster released, Diego Gomez is not on it. The club elected to take four goalkeepers, which I found rather surprising. They will take Drake Callender, backup Nick Marsman, uh, Inter Miami two starting keeper CJ Dos Santos, and their first round pick from last year Cole Jensen. All four of them will be on the roster. But other Inter-Miami 2 players like Lawson Sunderland, who we saw the other day, or even like a Felipe Valencia that we haven't heard a lot from this season, even at Inter-Miami 2, were passed up, as well as Diego Gomez. Jordi Alba is on that on that roster, so he will be eligible to play in the League's Cup. But where are some of the guys, these young guys that might be bouncing back and forth that some of the people out there are saying, well, who's this, who's that coming in? That, that will really need to make an impact, Austin. Well, I want Alex actually to touch on this first, but before I let Alex do that, I'm just going to give you the names of the players on this roster right now, according to MLS, as I'm looking at it, that do not count against the cap for Inter Miami. It starts with Drake Callender because of a homegrown status. Edison Escona, Noah Allen, Jake LaCava, David Ruiz, Schneider Borgelin, Cole Jensen, Robbie Robinson, CJ Dos Santos, Harvey Neville, Benjamin Kromeshke, Ian Frey. All of those names do not count under Miami's roster cap. Those are all names that are on supplemental slots between 21 to 24, 25 to 28, and 29 to 30 that all have their own meaning. But for the most part, to group them and generalize them under one category, their budget is not under the budget cap. And that in and of itself speaks to how Miami is building his roster and everything that Ian just beautifully touched on. Yeah, I do want to point out that Inter Miami, um, if you actually look at the League's Cup roster, uh, rosters for all the teams, um, Inter Miami actually, uh, there's a, uh, their roster isn't there anymore. So I don't know if it got deleted or maybe they uh, wanted to add some players that were there or take some off. If you go to the MLS uh, website, I'm looking at it here now. Yeah, Miami's roster, I, I think. Um, Oh, and okay, now it's back on. It, it got updated. Let me see if they add anyone there. But yeah, good point. Like you guys said, I think, like you said, Ian, I don't know why they're taking that many goalkeepers, but, um, you know, I, I guess they wanted to cover all their bases. But um, yeah, League's Cup will definitely be interesting. Like you said, Jordi Alba's on there. Excuse me. And um, yeah, I'm just looking at this. I don't know why they deleted it, but yeah, I, I think it's the same from yesterday. Jordi Alba's on there. Of course, Messi Busquets. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I think the roster drop was really intriguing. I don't know why they would take that many goalkeepers, but you know, I, I don't know, maybe Cole Jensen could get some playing time, but, um, yeah, I think League's Cup will be an interesting little mini season, uh, well, mid season, uh, tournament and, and, and to see who I'm just, I don't know, kind of 
thinking about the Cortisol game and, and how this will all play out and, and just to kind of get the players acclimated, the new players acclimated into the, the roster and, and the, the starting 11. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And I'm just, you know, like looking at this roster and yeah, it just feels a little surreal having Messi and, and all these guys on there. But, you know, uh, equally as, you know, as cool as it, ha- is, it is to have Messi on there, the homegrowns there uh, have equally been incre- impressive. Like Austin said, there's no cap hit um, for a lot of them. And it's just ad- advantageous for Miami when they continue to go in and build uh, a, a kind of a, a better rounded, well-rounded roster. So uh, Leaks Cup will give us a chance to to kind of see this new look inner Miami for the first time. And hopefully it's it's a good showing from, from Tata Martino and his coaching staff. One more thing that I want to touch on on that roster that was listed there, one of the 26 players uh, on Inter Miami's Leagues Cup roster is Gregory. He has been injured since very early in the season, uh, w- was not expected to, to return uh, before September, really, but has been progressing nicely. Also, Jean Mota, who we didn't think we would see again with a Lisfranc injury for, for months and months and months, and maybe even, if at all, for the rest of the season. For the, I got those in reverse. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, uh, but we saw him earlier in the week. John Mota was running around, right? And, and so um, it, he's not on the roster here, but Gregory is off that list, Frank. So, it, I mean, is it possible that we could see him in the later stages of this tournament should Miami make a run? I'd say they have to believe to a certain extent that it is possible. Otherwise, you're, you've just wasted a roster spot for absolutely no reason. Um, what, what do we think of the p- potential of, of Gregory returning in the League's Cup? I think I think it could be huge. Um, I think it could be... I don't think it'll be in those first two two matches up until the 25th, which is just five days away as of recording. Um, that would be kind of insane. But there is, and as I've spoken with both you, Alex, and Ian about, like there's a huge window between when Miami play their second and final group stage game to when they'll start playing knockout matches. Um, You know, those, those permutations that Ian was talking about wouldn't happen until the first couple of days of August following the the game on the 25th. So you've got probably a little over a week until you start playing knockout games after that. And that puts more time for Gregory to recover. Um, And if, if he is able to play, I mean, at some point, if he's able to come back in this League's Cup, it would be a monumental turnaround for this midfield if he's able to play alongside Terzio Busquets and getting this roster back to its, you know, its full potential. Uh, it, that would be the first key step. They've been missing Gregory all season long, and it would mean a ton for Miami to go ahead and have that a player of Gregory's caliber back who has meant so much to the team over the last couple of years. He is the captain of this team as well. And to put him on the field in a, in a midfield that's actually been struggling quite a bit, as Ian alluded to earlier on in the show, uh, would mean a lot. Yeah, my mic was muted. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Austin. I think it'll just be really cool to see Gregory and hopefully maybe John Mata. We saw him running a little bit um, during the training session on Tuesday, or actually running a lot, actually. Um, I was oh, surprised wow. at, at how much he was. He was. Yeah. So we, yeah, we do have a little bit of breaking um, news as this will be released yeah, later. Jordi but Alba defined. The, the club did announce, as as we were talking here, that Jordi Alba is official. We we knew that. Uh, Jorge Moss had, had teased us a little that he might have uh, been yeah. announced on Tuesday. But now, as of Thursday afternoon, it is official. Jordi Alba is on Inter-Miami's That's roster, so is on the League's Cup yeah. roster. Um, and so we should expect him soon. Alex, do you want to finish your thought? Yeah. Or... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I just, I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, well, we should probably announce this. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I was saying, I lost my train of thought. What was it? Uh, Leaks Cup? Um, what was it? I forgot what I was saying. Well, we, I think that we've touched but, um, pretty much on, on every aspect but one of this Leaks Cup match coming up on Friday yeah. night against Cruz Azul from Drive Pink Stadium. And that is attendance and the, and the craziness that is to be expected. Tickets were going for uh, an absolute astronomical uh, uh, number. La Familia has a ton of plans, I've been told, uh, for this game. They, they got, uh, you know, rained on, unfortunately, on Sunday, uh, but still, still showed out. And it was exciting to see that, that South stand um, a, as popping as it was. Um, or the North stand, yeah. there's the North stand over there. Uh, I got my directions mixed up. Um, but yeah, so so very very exciting to see uh, what what La Familia has. Austin, in terms of parking and in terms of tickets and and attendance, th- this has to be a a once in a lifetime sort of uh, undertaking that 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 is going on for this game. What, what have you heard in terms of that? Yeah, I'm actually, um, you know, when when tickets were first being released, it was a huge talking point of mine on my personal Twitter, just because I wanted, you know, fans to be informed uh, about what was going on, you know, in terms of the club communication and, you know, the ticketing app communication and everything like that, because I know people are going to want to go to this game. It is a monumental um, event that, that in history will be remembered for a long time. And right now, as it stands, it seems as though, as crazy as it sounds, the hype has died down a little bit and I'm a little bit concerned about it because a lot of the ticketing process now has become resell, 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 resell. And the club actually gave every single season ticket holder account that was on season ticket, you know, account list for 2023, four tickets to purchase for uh, this match on, on the 21st. Then it was open to uh, deposit holders. Then it was open to the general public and tickets were released slowly and there was dynamic pricing and all of that kind of thing. Right now, fast forward to right now, if you go on to Ticketmaster and you guys can pull up your phones and do this yourselves. If you go on to Ticketmaster and you look at the seat map and look at the number of pink circles there are across every single section, it looks like to be about half of the tickets in that stadium. Every single pink circle represents a verified resale ticket. So that's a ticket that somebody had bought in on Ticketmaster and is now putting back up for sale to sell again. And does that mean that person is not going to the game? Not necessarily. Does that mean that person might want to capitalize on a little bit of money rather than go to the game? Maybe so. But for me, it causes a little bit of concern because people had seen this as more as a potential business opportunity, if you want to put it that way, than something to enjoy the game. And you can't really stop that at all. I mean, it's something that was, it's happened all over the world in any type of ticketing event, whether it's a Taylor Swift concert or Messi's debut, it doesn't really matter. It happens all the time. But for the amount of tickets that are available right now, a little more than 24 hours away from kickoff, it's a bit concerning to me. And I think that, I mean, I would hope that people do show up to this game and didn't just buy tickets, you know, more than just for themselves. But that is a possibility that the club ran the risk on doing when giving four tickets to the accounts of season ticket holders and four tickets to the account of deposit holders, which the deposit holders I think are triple the amount of number than season ticket holders themselves. Like there are, were a ton of people that put in deposits after Messi's announcement. And so giving them the access and giving them the ability to buy up to four tickets, no matter the pricing kind of just made it for 
you know, to have more tickets than people actually going to the game. The possibility was there and now you see all these resales and it's just absolutely insane. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I know parking tickets were sent out for people who have tickets. I think it's $35. Uh, you can purchase that on FIVO. Um, and if anybody needs a link, just go ahead and contact one of us on Twitter. I can get it out to you. I, I got one from a ticket rep that I can send just to try and help you out. Um, we're we're gonna so be uh, we're gonna be financing uh, parking operations now. This is this is no longer a, well, a podcast I, network. I, we're ticketing operations. I want to help people get to the game. I want to. I've I've heard from multiple fans that they did not receive any parking information. So I want to help people get to the game. Um, and so I I would be willing to do that. You're nicer uh, than and, me, and Austin. Out. Send send them to Austin. Don't send them to me. <laughs> Either way, it, it doesn't matter. Um. So yeah, it's a it's something that I'm I'm personally going to keep eyes on. I do like to look at the business side of all this kind of stuff and the ticketing and everything with the fans. I think it's going to be interesting, but I am hoping that 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 Drive Think Stadium is is filled out because it's a it's a moment that deserves to be. And, and I think regardless, we're all very confident that it will be a sellout. Um, regardless, the the question is, are those tickets going to be used or were those tickets sold? with the intention of buying with no one who is going to fill those seats. And I agree with you, Austin. It would be a shame uh, if, if not every seat in that building is filled, given, given the, the historic nature of this and the excitement of it and the demand. I mean, Jorge Mas was very clear also earlier this week when he said, if, if we wanted, we could put every single game at, at Hard Rock Stadium and we would still sell those out. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know how much that that is – is bluster or how much that's real. Um, you know, he did reiterate, which I've been talking about, I feel like forever, that if Inter Miami were to host the U.S. Open Cup final, that game will be at Hard Rock Stadium, but everything else is going to be at Drive Pink. So uh, I, I hope, wow, that is a lot of, if you're listening to this, Austin is holding up uh, the, the seating chart, and that is about half of the stadium with pink dots uh, ready for resale. Um, that that's more than Rico I would expect, in, including full rows, which that was the shocking thing to me just there. Wow. That, that is a lot. Well, regardless, we will be there. It will be an exciting night. It will be a historic night. A Heron outlet will have you covered every step of the way and into the Atlanta game on Tuesday where Inter Miami will see if they have enough points to advance into this rapid group stage. If they don't make it out of the group stage, it's 26 days until their next game and nearly an entire month that they'll go. So it is absolutely cru crucial for Miami to perform and play well in these two games, Friday night against Cruz Azul, the 25th against Atlanta United. Guys, thank you so much. It will be a wonderful evening in uh, Drive Pink Stadium as we will welcome Messi and Busquets in. Now Jordi Alba to enter Miami. Make sure you follow the Heron Outlet wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify, on Apple, on Google Play, on YouTube Music. You can watch us here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and like and comment on all of that. You can also subscribe to our Substack, theheronoutlet.substack.com, theheronoutlet.substack.com, and follow us on our socials. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitch, uh, and Facebook as well. You can follow us on Facebook as well. So I think that does it. You can find us in a million different places. And we are excited to bring this historic era of football in South Florida to you. For our wonderful, wonderful producer, Andres, she is Alex Winley. He is Austin Robillard. And I am Ian Hess. This is the Heron Outlet. We'll see you right back here this time next week.